So let me make sure it's the last one. I sent you four or five, so it has to be the last one. I sent him four or five PowerPoints. So the last one was sent this morning. All right, let's pray. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. We pray that you will minister to us where we are at. As we look into your word, I ask that you will guide my words, that there will be words that bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that there will be words that you will want me to say. I pray that you bless everyone that is listening, that they will profit from the word of God. And I ask that your spirit will take control to make it clear, to explain it, to bring conviction, and to bring strength and encouragement. Thank you for the privilege to share your word this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Victory cry from the cross. Tetelestai. This was, I started preaching this uh, I think it was not last month, the month before. And I'm hoping to finish it today. I think I will. That's my plan. So, I believe that this is one of the most important words that have ever been offered. And it was offered by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. It is finished. Oh, to see the pain. We just read that. This stuff has to turn to me so I can see. <clears throat> oh, to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin. Every bitter thoughts, every evil deed crowning your blood-stained brow. And what happened when the Lord Jesus was on the cross? Now the daylight flees. That happened. Now the ground beneath quakes as its maker bows his head. That also happened. Curtain torn in two. That happened. Death are raised to life. That also happened. Finished the victory cry. This, the power of the cross, son of God slain for us. What a love, what a cost, we stand forgiven at the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, I believe, is the most important thing that has ever happened to us. And those words offered by the Lord Jesus Christ, it is finished. Oh, it's actually one word, tetelestai. It's one of the most important, if not the most important words that have ever been uttered by the Lord. 
All right, so let me uh, keep things light by getting you engaged. Questions. I have four questions there for you. Let's start with the first one. Who is the first ruler? Let's exclude God. God is always the ruler, will always be. Who is the first ruler that is mentioned in the Bible? Is this a trick question? <laughs> no, it's not a trick question. What's that? Adam. That's right. Let us make man in our own image and let him have dominion and rule. I'll, I'll put the verses in so that you will see that it says actually to rule. That was God's proclamation to man. And in fact, it says let them. So I didn't know how to separate the woman and the man because he said let them. That proclamation went to them. So I, I, but to list it, I said the second, because woman was made from man. So, but as far as God was concerned, them were to have dominion. You get that? So we, man, mankind. <sighs> Who is the third ruler in the Bible? Uh, second, okay, who is the second? Second will be the woman. Let's skip the woman. Uh, you can put it first as well if you like. But because man came before woman, that's why I put it as second. But they are both rulers proclaimed by God at the same time. Let them have dominion and let them rule. So let, I'm skipping the second to the third. So who is the third? Nimrod. Hmm. Uh, second and uh, third and fourth I was debating, but we'll see. Uh, she says Satan. The devil. The devil. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, that sounds close. That sound, it could either be thought, third or fourth. I, I think it's true. Satan. We'll see. That one was a usurper. He wasn't uh, proclaimed. He, he found a way to trick man out of the dominion and took over the, the dominion. We will see that as we read the scriptures. So we'll read. So I'm, I'm not making it up. We'll see. So don't, don't worry. We'll read. We'll read together. And who is the fourth ruler? Sin. Very close. Very close. <laughs> yes. Uh, sin wasn't actually supposed to rule, but it says, by one man, see, uh, the sin... Death came into the world, and death reigned. Again, it began with man being given dominion, and man disobeying God, and what happened? Death began to rule. There was no death before sin. And it began to rule, and because man listened to Satan, Satan took over the kingdom of this world. And that's where the cross comes in. So, man started as the first ruler, 
Because God proclaimed it. So let's read Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule. That's, that's the dominion we're given. Over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling things that crawled on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So man was the first ruler, man and woman. In Romans chapter 5, I've skipped so many verses, we read this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not counted against anyone when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigns. We know that. I mean, you don't need to be told that death is one of those things that hovers over our heads. From Adam until Moses, even over those who have not seen in the likeness of the violation committed by Adam, who is a type of him to come. So I think death ruled because of sin. And the devil said this to Jesus Christ when he was tempting him. He says, and he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I want. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Jesus replied to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So I made the point of using New American Standard today because I wanted to get close as close as possible, so to speak, to the original. So it was handed over. That's Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 8. That's what the devil told Jesus. He said, I'll give you all this if you bow and worship me because it was handed over. And I believe when man sinned, he gave it to him. All right. One more or two more questions. How many times in the gospel record did God the Father publicly state his approval of Jesus? And what did he say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. One in transfiguration, one in baptism. Is that it? So they've mentioned two times. Is that it? John chapter 12. There's one more. 
And this on the way to the cross. So, and that's the one I want to quote. So Jesus was speaking, you know, as he's getting ready, he's in Bethany, he's ready on his way, about to get to Gethsemane and to the cross and all of that. He says, now my soul has become troubled, and what am I to say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then we read this. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's the third time. I, I was surprised too when I read it. I always thought it was two times because those are the two times that stick to my head. But when I, I said, oh, there's one more. So it's good to know that the voice came out of heaven, said I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel had spoken to him. Jesus responded and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for yours. N notice this. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out on his way to the cross. And if I, if I'm lifted up, upon the, from, up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now he was saying this to indicate what kind of death he was going to die. So I just have to advise you or warn you or however I want to say it. I, all I'm going to do this morning is read the Bible. I have many of them that just point to the victory. That's all I'm going to do. So I'm hoping that the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and speak to you. Because His Word will not return void. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, from verse 50, Paul begins to say, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God and then it begins to say, now we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He was talking about the rapture. And then he goes on to talk about in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the trump of God, the death in Christ will rise first, and then we, our life will be caught up together with them, and then we'll be with them. And then he goes on to say, but when this perishable put on the imperishable, when our bodies change, and this mortal put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written. Where is it written? Isaiah 25 verse 8. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. It's the first enemy. The power of sin is the law. The law is not bad, but we can't keep it. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Three things swallowed up, death, sin, and the law, and the man of the enemy that made us to sin. He will be bound. 
And then he charges us to say, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, if you are a believer, that's the idea. If you are, if you are not, our prayer is that today will be your day. He said, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be firm, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's a message for every believer. When you labor for the Lord, it is not in vain. So get on with the business. All right? Death has been swallowed up in victory. So now we get to it is finished. Let's read it together. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things have already been accomplished in order that the scripture will be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now and then, since it was a day of preparation to prevent the bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews requested of Pilate that they break their legs or that their legs be broken and the bodies be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who were crucified with him. But after they came to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Yet one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water came out. And he who has... Sin has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he's telling the truth so that you also may believe. For these things took place so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. Those are the scriptures. And again, another scripture says, they will look at him whom they pierced. What I find amazing in this passage is that Jesus was fulfilling scripture even after he had died. Scripture was getting fulfilled. And he uttered the word, it is finished. So they tell us time. Shout of victory not defeat. What Jesus finished, stands finished, will always be finished. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. He authored the word, it is finished. So, we started two months ago with three important facts. We said it's a familiar word. We also said it's a Spoken, or the word was spoken by a faithful savior. So we tackled that one. That one 
we didn't do this one. That's where we are. About a finished work. A familiar word. Just recap. So Jesus, the servant, finished the work that the father gave him to do. He said that in John chapter 17. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, offered the perfect sacrifice. That was read this morning. And Jesus, the Messiah, the one that was mentioned and proclaimed in the Old Testament, finished the picture of the Old Testament revelation. And Jesus, the Redeemer, paid the debt fully and completely. A familiar word. We also say it's a word that is spoken by a faithful Savior. So God gave Jesus a work to do. So he was born to do the will of God. And in Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 we read, And you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That was the work that the Lord gave, God gave him to do. And his life was motivated, so to speak, by accomplishing the work that God gave him to do. You know that God the Father, at the, in the beginning, finished the old creation. God the Son, his job was to finish the new creation. We read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, it's a new creation. Old has passed, new has come. So that was his mission, to accomplish the work. He did it in spite of opposition, in spite of rejection, in spite of misunderstanding. And finally, on the cross, he finished the work. So what is finished? The answer is there. The work the Father gave Jesus to do. In John 17 verse 4, Jesus said this in his priestly prayer. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So it's good that we tease out at least in some measure the things that were finished. We'll sing shortly. You know, as I said, you know, we have to make sure that we are, we are singing, you know. What are these things? So in thinking about this, I looked at it this way. I said, the Father's work required Jesus to fulfill or complete or finish Old Testament scriptures concerning certain things. One, his suffering. That was mentioned in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. Two, the judgment for our sins. That was expected that he finished that so that we don't have to go through it. Three. Oops. Three. An end to the ceremonial sacrifices for sins. That was read this morning. Four. The fulfillment of the law for us. No person 
that has been born or ever will be born can fulfill the law completely. So somebody had to do it for us. Five, the defeat of Satan for us. The emphasis for us. He didn't need any of this, but for us. And six, the defeat or the death of death for us. Jesus had to finish all of those tasks so that we might have full or complete redemption. And so when Jesus declared it is finished, all of these things were finished. All of them were finished. And that's why the cross is the most important event in human history. Because it was there that Jesus took our judgment. It was there that he was sacrificed for our sins. It was there that all our sins were laid on him. It was there that he defeated Satan. And it was there that he conquered death and gave us victory. And so John chapter 3 verse 16 could make sense. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Lord Jesus went through all of this. The suffering part, it was for us. Because our sins required judgment. He went through all of this for us. And that's a wonderful thing. It's something that means we should never forget to talk about the cross and we should never forget that what Jesus said is finished, is finished, stands finished, always will be finished. Nothing can be added or subtracted from it. And so all we can do is thank him and reap the benefit. We have to sing. The kids are not restless. It seems like they are paying attention, but notwithstanding, let's sing what a beautiful name. Standing as you are able. in terms of what was finished. Um, let's wait for the, the, the PowerPoint. Technology doesn't move that fast. So we need to move to, 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 to. All right. So, Jesus Christ's suffering is finished. It's important to note that in paying the price for our sin, the Lord Jesus suffered. But he will never again suffer. Man of sorrows, we sing what a name. The era or the regime of man of sorrows is over. We reap the benefit because he suffered. But his suffering is ended when he comes back is going to reign as king. As the king of kings and the lord of lords. So his suffering was ended. But his suffering was important. So I've put a few scriptures here. And let's go through. I don't believe we can go through all of them. But let's try to go through some. So when Jesus was resurrected. 
And then two men were talking about what happened. That's the first part of that thing there from verse 13 uh, to verse uh, 22. Jesus drew near and then he spoke to them. And then he said this. They said, what are you, he asked them, what are you discussing? They said, are you, a, are you a stranger? You are not aware of what has happened? Jesus has been killed? And then he said to them, after they've had all this conversation, I'm reading verse 25. You foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. That's the Old Testament. Was it not necessary, necessary for the Christ to suffer these things? So it was necessary. It had to happen. And to come into his glory. That's the second half. Then beginning with Moses, that's the first five books of the Old Testament, and with all the prophets, the rest of the Old Testament, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. The scriptures, as understood at this time, means the Old Testament. So it had a lot to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. He explained to them. So it was necessary for him to suffer. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, Paul is writing and he's encouraging Christians to have the mind of Christ. He says, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who has already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a born servant and being born in the likeness of men. For God to become a man requires condescending. Think of it this way. For me to become an ant, I mean, just some sort of illustration. For me to become an ant, it's not even good enough. What do you think will happen? I don't have that ability or that capability, but if I was to become an ant, it means you will have to do this to me if I step on your path, right? So he became a born servant and was born in the likeness of men and being found as in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. The worst kind of death. That required suffering, that required humility. And he says, for this reason, also, God highly exalted him. That's where he is now. He's highly exalted. And it's bestowed on him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, oh, above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No more baby in a manger. No more bond servant. 
No more man of sorrows. No more death on the cross. That's all ended. But the, at the moment, who we have is one that is highly exalted. And one in which every knee will bow and worship. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, the writer says this, Therefore, since we have also such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus or looking unto Jesus, the originator and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It means the cross was not fun. Despising the shame. There was shame while he was on the cross. And I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he writes, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. No more shame, no more cross, no more hostility from sinners. Jesus now is seated at the right hand of God. And he's coming back. So his suffering is ended. No more suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. His suffering is ended. Judgment for sin is also ended. Listen to this. It's finished for us. Now I have to qualify the us. The us assumes that you are a believer. I mean, it's finished for all mankind. The only way to become useful to you, the only way to affect you is if you are one of his. So when I say us, it means those who belong to him. Those who believe in him. Those who have, who have accepted him as their Lord and Savior. In 1 Peter 2 verse 24. See the way it's written. He himself brought, that's the Lord Jesus. Brought our sins in his body on the cross. So that we might die to the sin to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. I'm pretty sure when people read this, sometimes they're only thinking of physical healing. I think the healing from sin is pretty powerful. He brought it with him on the cross. So that you know we die to sin and live to righteousness. So judgment for sin was placed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means it's finished for us. What else is there? Sorry, I moved too fast. This song captured my heart as I was thinking. You know this song? Rise my soul, behold, tis Jesus. It says, all our sins were laid on him. Jesus bore them on the cross. God who knew them laid them on him. And believing, you are free. So judgment for sin is finished. Ceremonial sacrifices of the priest is finished. This was read this morning if you were at the breaking of bread. Listen to this. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But it added, but. But. He having offered one sacrifice 
for sin for all time sat down at the right hand of God. No more sacrifices for sin. And I like this. I always, always, always like this verse. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. Now where there is forgiveness of these sins and offering is not required. God's will concerning the law is finished. If I'm running fast, you think I'm going fast, you can have the PowerPoint when I'm done. Okay? You can't get it. Concerning the law is finished. All of these verses talk about the law. So let's read a little bit. So, the main point is this. God's law is holy, just, and good. There's nothing wrong with the law of God. But we can't keep the law because we are sinners. The law shows us that we are sinners and sinful and we need God. And Jesus fulfilled the law by obeying it perfectly. He then died on the cross for us to redeem us from the law. So when Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 5, which was mentioned this morning again, Notice what he says in verse 17 to 18. He says, do not presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. That's not my mission. He says, I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. And then he adds this, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter shall pass from the law until all. It's accomplished. Only one man could do that. And he did it for us. Only one man. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so we read something like this in Romans 8, 1 to 4. Where Paul writes, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then notes, for what the law could not do, there's something the law could not do. Weak as it were through the flesh, because we are sinners and we are weak, it says God did. It was carried out by God. What did he do? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. Jesus came as an offering for sin. So he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. He fulfilled the law and the requirement in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So much to read, so much. It's just scriptures, you know, just reading the word of God and seeing what Jesus has done for us. And let's read this one. For all who are of works of the law are under a curse. You want to keep the law? Listen to this. 
Curse is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. You have to do everything. You can't pick and choose. It's not buffet. You have to do everything, execute everything in the law. And I look around. I don't see anybody that is capable or anybody that has carried out everything that is written in the law. And that's why Jesus came. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous one will live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, the person who performs them will live by them. And then as is Christ redeemed us, rescued us, set us free from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone that hangs on the tree. In other that, why? Why did he do this? So that the bless, so that in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham could come to the Gentiles. That will be you and me, so that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let's read one more. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive their adoptions as sons and daughters. Wonderful blessing. The Lord Jesus fulfilled the law. We accepted him and we became children of God. And so we stand in a great position. We are children of God because of what is done. And says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Should we keep going? The defeat of Satan is finished. The enemy, he, he prowls around as if uh, he has something to do. He's doomed. You know, I, I, you've seen, you know, if, I don't know if you grew up where I grew up, when you cut off the head of a chicken and then the chicken is all over the place. He's already doomed. The enemy is doomed because the Lord Jesus defeated Satan on the cross. And he defeated him for us. Not for himself, but for us. All of the scriptures point to that. We read this one before where he says, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And then we keep going in Colossians chapter 2. It says, nail to the cross, the decrees. And then adds this word. When he has disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display. And then in Hebrews 2, 14 to 15, we read, Therefore, since children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Why? So that through death, he might destroy the one. He might destroy the one that has the power of death. That is, so you don't miss it, the devil. The cross brings an end to the power of the devil. And so, it is finished. And the benefit for us, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and took us into the kingdom of light. If you are a believer, the defeat of death. I'm moving very fast, as you can see. I want to finish. The time is running against me. 
A brother Clyde shared this many times. Wonderful passage. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of his suffering death, crowned with glory and honor. Why? So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. O death, where is thy sin? We've read this already, but let's read it again as we move into singing. We are about to finish. So thank you for hanging in there. We are about to finish. But when this perishable put on the imperishable and this mortal puts on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be firm, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Finish the victory cry. Christ's suffering is finished. The judgment for our sin is finished. Pre-ceremonial sacrifice for sin is finished. The law is fulfilled for us. Satan is defeated for us. Death is conquered for us. We stand in victory because the Lord Jesus Christ obtained the victory for us. And so we should be celebrating. We should be excited. And we should, as we walk on the street, as things show up, we remember Tetelestai. It is finished. It is finished. Completely finished. Stand finished. Nothing remains. And it says, now the daylight flees, now the ground beneath quakes as his maker bows his head. Curtain turn into dead are raised to life, finish the victory cry. I like this verse. Oh, to see my name written in the wound, for your through, through your suffering I'm free. Death is crushed to death, life is mine to live. One through your selfless love. This, the power of the cross, son of God, slain for us. What a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. So the work of salvation is finished. Jesus Christ died for us, is living for us, and is coming for us. The greatest future awaits those who know the Lord. The question is, do you know him? Do you know him? If you don't, you should. Because that's where your future lies. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to look into your word. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. May we never lose sight of him. May we never lose sight of praising him because of what is done. I pray that sinners will come to know him and believers will be strengthened in their work. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. So we are going to